And yeah, no, no, we ought to do that. That's, that would be really interesting, right? That was my training. In, um, uh, and in fact, I was going to go to the university on a music scholarship, UCLA, uh, playing trombone and other brass instruments at the same time. And uh, I really appreciated that. You've, you've got it, but you've got to give it all you got. You've got to give it your heart, man. You've got to give it your heart. <laughs> And after that, I, uh, the Lord changed uh, my perspective and my calling and sent me to seminary. I had no idea what he was doing, but I do know this. I'm thankful to God for my traditional background. Those of you who grew up in a traditional church, I want you to thank God for that. Okay, Because there was a lot of investment that was from God in that context. You know what? Uh, you know what Jesus says. You know the wise scribe takes out of the treasure chest old things and new things. You know, and um, I really thank God for uh, my training, for my background. I uh, graduated in theology, New Testament theology. Uh, but fortunately, it wasn't a type of theology that impeded. Seeking God, thank goodness. It wasn't liberal. Um, after that, we uh, were in the pastorate for six years in the United States when, uh, through a friend of mine, he um, got in, um, called us to Chile in the year 78, the, sixth, the 7th of September in 1978. We arrived in Chile. Uh, four years after that, uh, we got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that's when a, all heaven broke loose. <laughs> uh, on, on the other hand of the coin, you could say all hell broke loose, <laughs> because that's when I was invited to leave the denomination, <laughs> not so kindly, and, but that's okay, that invited. Yeah, right. Ten years later, that was resolved, and it was totally, and there was a total reconciliation and everything. And so, and today we have a wonderful relationship, not working, but a personal relationship that's very, very close. Uh, so, so that was eventually all taken care of. It was just something that we had to go through, okay. And that's when we met Ivan Baker, okay. Uh, through Ivan, we met Jorge Mitian. These guys from Argentina, later Christian Romo. Some of you people know Christian. He's been here. Um, yeah, uh, we work together still today. Uh, uh, he's in Concepcion, and I'm in Santiago. And I don't know. That's that's about it. You know, for that's, I guess that's kind of a brief bio of what I want to get into the into the word today. Um, I don't know if this is going to be a complete disaster or, or if God has something to say to us today. I'm not, I'm not sure. I, this, this, I was literally, I was tormented all night last night. Um, I, I can prove that there's quite a bit of traffic to the bathroom here at night between 1.30 and 4.30 in the morning because you all went right past me. <laughs> I, had, uh, 
this, this uh, whole thing started when I lost, I, I, I say God lost, but I, yeah, I, I suppose I did, the, the first presentation for this first hour. It, it's the PowerPoint presentation. I have no idea where it is. It got lost in the cloud somewhere. But I mean, even so lost that it can't be recovered from the cloud because it's not there anymore. It's out in space somewhere. We don't know. And so, you know, you know how the devil does, you know, he, he used that in the first hour while I was sleeping, you know, and, and, and then he started and, and then he starts on this, you know, and that's not right. And this isn't right. And you got the wrong verse and you got this. And I'm, I'm going through all of this in my sleep. Right. Yeah. Hey, hey, about one thirty, I said, hey, this isn't going anywhere. So I got up. And that's typically what happens. I, I've, it's happened to me on many occasions when, when, when the devil wants to uh, make me feel inadequate. But you know, the devil is a servant of God too. And we are inadequate. We are. Nobody's adequate to speak the word of God. Nobody. If, 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 if we don't have that coal that comes from the fire in heaven and comes and touches our lips, and not only our lips, but our hearts, who can speak the word of God? I'm serious. Nobody can. It's not possible. And that's where I am this morning. No. And you will have to be the judge. After it's all over, after the two hours are all over, you will have to be the judge. Was God speaking? Or was this just a disaster? <laughs> You'll have to determine. I do have two caveats to begin with. Number one, some of us are from Chile. We are not experts in the house church ministry. I want to eliminate that, that concept we, like you, are growing in a renewed concept of the church. It's actually quite ludicrous for me. Those who are translating ludicrous, ridiculous, ridiculous. It's quite ludicrous for me to be here speaking about house churches when many of you have much, much more experience than we do. We're just growing in this. I mean, we're, we don't... You know, um, it's just not, uh, we're not experts on this topic. And, and in some ways, we even, when we talk about it, we talk beyond our experience, you know, which really is a violation of good principles. We should never speak about what we don't live. We should never teach disciples what we're not living. No. We have to be able to model what we speak. You know, when they asked Jesus to teach him how to pray, do you know why they asked him to teach him how to pray? Because they saw him praying. They'd never seen this before. And they said, hey, Jesus, can you teach us how to do that? It wasn't that he started a class on how to pray, and then he started to show him how to do it. No, 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 no. He'd been praying for months, and they saw it. And they said, hey, can you teach us how to do that? He modeled what he taught. That is really, really important. And, and in some ways, I feel very uncomfortable because some of the things that we're going to talk about, 
we're still not there yet. Right. And the second point is this, that this whole concept of house churches actually has mixed origins with us. I don't think I was clear about that two years ago. Okay, it, we, it's been part of our experience, yes, definitely. It's part of our vision of ministry. It's been part of our study. It's been part of our prayer. And what we do have has come from the Lord and from our experiences with, with him. But it also has mixed origins. Uh, the, I have a strong, strong conviction that the house church is God's strategy to reach the world. I have a strong, strong conviction House church is God's strategy to reach the world. The church today is losing its institutionality, and it should lose its institutionality. Any church that wants to maintain its institutionality in these years and in years to come is going to have a very hard road because all hell is against it. And most societies are against it. And most governments are against it. And most powers are against it. But that's not the case with the spirituality of the church. Simplify the church and put it in your house. And that will win the world. Simplify the church and put it in your house and that will touch your neighbors and their neighbors and their neighbors. A church that is based on the traditional settings, there are some things that are very, very important for it in order for it to be able to work. Um, uh, you know, the pulpit, the, 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 the instruments, the sound equipment, the building. You just go on and on and on. You can just name, name, name things that are very, very important for the institutional church. And, you know, a lot of churches go through this, this period. I mean, they want to start a new church, but they can't. How are we going to have enough money to build a building? You know, <laughs> we've got to get rid of that mentality. You don't need any of that stuff. You don't need any of it. A congregation that has 10 house churches has 10 baptistries, 10 meeting rooms, 10, probably 30 or 40 classrooms. It has 10 kitchens. It has 10 comedores. It has, you don't need a church building. You know, that's where it's at. And that's where it's going to come from. I really, I really, I really believe it. But it has another origin. Today, it's a matter of expediency. At least in Chile, it's going to become that way very, very quickly. Everything is going in the direction against anything that has to do with God or the church. And the people that are in, at fault, the people who have the blame is the church. The church is at blame. Right. And I'm talking about Catholic as well as evangelical. Our congregation in Santiago is neither Catholic nor evangelical. And, and it's declared that way. I declared, I've declared it for years. Alfredo's heard me say it. Juan Pablo's heard me say it. We are not Catholic, but we're not evangelical. We have good relations with the evangelical church and the Catholic church. We participate transversally in all of that. 
But that's, that's, that's a, it's, it's a matter of expediency today because all of that church did not do what it should have been doing for so long that today it has lost its power in our country. For decades, the Catholic Church was the, was the break, was the freno, we say in Spanish, was the, was the impeding force that kept uh, certain um, initiatives at bay, kept them, limited their possibility. You had to go and ask the, the bishop or the archbishop before you could have an initiative in Chile. Before Today, they don't even know his name much less go to consult with him. And I don't care that they don't. <laughs> I don't even know his name. <laughs> okay. Who is the current one? I'm not, I'm, not really, I'm not really sure. But it's also the same way with the evangelical church. The evangelical church tried to be equal to and as big as the Catholic church. And in doing so, they lost their testimony. And today, nobody listens to the Catholic Church nor the Evangelical Church in Chile. And who is at fault? The church. But I want you to know something. That's the best thing that could have happened to God's church in Chile. And that's why I say house churches is a matter of expediency. It's absolutely necessary today to take the church, reduce it, and put it in the homes. Nobody can stop that. Nobody has power against that. Nobody. They can limit our meetings. They can teach. They can tell us what we can teach and what we can't teach. They can tell us who we can marry and who we can't marry. But they can't stop the church in the house. They can't stop that. Ah, expediency, um, a matter of necessity. Thanks, Hugo. Yeah, expediency is a matter of a necessity. It's a necessity now in Chile. It's something that has to be. Exactly right. Right, right, right. Okay. So it's not an option. Let's put it that way. For us, we consider it's not an option. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Okay. In a world of religious persecution against God, Christ, and the church, house churches will not survive. They will thrive. Uh, thrive? Clear? Okay. They will not just survive. They will thrive. And I really believe that. Okay. Yeah, right. I don't know what that is. Pro prosper? Uh-huh. Right, right, right. So at this time, we can actually say a vision has become a necessity. <laughs> and thank God, he gave us the vision and prepared us years before. The pandemia was a test run. Was a test run. The churches that were built on house churches survived. It was just a test run. It was just saying, hey, get ready. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and it was fantastic. It was a filter. It was a filter. We say sometimes we lost some people. No, 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 no. 
They never were with us. They just met with us. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Are we concerned about them? Yes, of course we are. Yeah. But that's what happened. It was a filter. And that's where all of history is going. Read Revelation. Read Revelation. This whole thing's going to get worse. A lot worse. But the church will thrive. It will thrive. It may even go underground, but it will thrive. Okay, just a very, very quick review. Gosh, I'm out of time already, right? Is that right? What time is it? I don't even know what time. No, 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 I've got some time. Okay. Okay. A, we, this is just a very, very, very quick review of what we did two years ago because there are some people who weren't here. Okay. And other people, maybe it would help with their memory. What are the things that you normally think that a church does? What are the things? And, and together we made this list two years ago. I don't know if you remember, but we started just saying out what church. I don't have them all here. Unfortunately, the PowerPoint that was lost had oodles more information than my text here does. And so a lot of these things were lost somewhere in space. But we talked about discipleship. We talk, There's no place in the traditional church for discipleship. Excuse me for saying so, but every time the traditional church tries to put discipleship within their program, they lose the spirit of discipleship. It's not for a congregational context. Discipleship's for the home, for the cafe in the esquina. Oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. That's Spanish. For the coffee shop on the corner. Huh? It's for the walk in the park. Huh? It's, for the, it's for the bench on the playa, on the, on the beach. Huh? That's where discipleship belongs. Not in a room, in a building that belongs to a church. That's not discipleship. Yeah, and we're going to talk a little bit. I'm going to mention a few things about discipleship as well. Leadership training. Best place to train leaders is in a house group, not in a church. You can't train enough people in a church. We were so frustrated with this. Well, I was. I was in Santiago that with the congregation that we had that sort of estancado. How do we say that in English? Stalemated. Yeah. Uh, it, because there wasn't growth of the leaders. It, why? Because when you have a congregation, only so many people can be involved, and all the rest are the laity that just attend services. That is not found in Scripture anywhere. That's not found in the Bible anywhere, as we're going to see in the second hour. Huh? Laity and clergy does not exist. Anywhere in the Bible. And I got news for you. Everybody sitting here is in full-time ministry. I don't care where you get your salary from. 
That doesn't make a bit of difference to me. I get my salary, well, now I'm, now I'm retired. I'm a grandpa. Right, right, okay. <laughs> I'm retired, but I, years, I got my salary from teaching languages. Yeah, but I was full-time ministry. You know, somebody who's, a, who's an engineer working for an engineering firm, he's serving God, serving that engineering firm. He's a full-time minister. Somebody who's in school, who's a teacher in school, is serving God, serving those kids. He's full-time in ministry. There is no such thing as part-time ministry or volunteer. No, 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 no. We're full-time ministry, all of you. And not just you. Everybody in your church also. Not just you. Everybody in your church. Every disciple is a full-time minister in the church of God. Hallelujah! And the best place to form leaders is in the house church. We have an expression in Spanish, no? El chacarero se forma en la chacra. If somebody can translate for me, the farmer is formed on the farm. I guess that's the way you would say it. Right, yeah, right, right. Hey, you can't, you can't put him, uh, you know, oh, well, let's go on. Uh, Bible study, yeah, 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 we, we study the scripture, but we do, it's, it's got a different, it's, it's application. It's not information, okay? There's a big difference between information and transformation. And most churches are involved in information. with zero transformation. Now, sometimes we've gone to the extreme to transformation of biblically ignorant people, and that's not good either. That's not good either. We have to have good, solid Bible teaching, but always aimed towards the transforming of their lives to the image of Christ. Evangelism, okay, if you like campaigns, God bless you. Uh, I, 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 I'm not an evangelist, so I can't really speak too much here, but I do know that evangelism takes place best through and in the house church. And particularly in a society where anything that has to do with the institutional church is totally totally out. I mean, we are openly attacked, verbally attacked in Chile with all kinds of adjectives and disqualifying terms towards the institutional church. You try to evangelize by taking somebody to a church service in Chile today, and uh, it's only because maybe God was after that guy, and he, he he wasn't he wasn't going to escape. But most people, evangelism is not going to work. Today, in many countries, through the institutionalized church. But you can win those people to the Lord through the house church. When you put that house church in the street, you have a power. A major power. Jose Miguel. Si o no? Jose Miguel Davies. You put this guy on the street and he's going to talk to anybody that gets in, gets in his way. He's like that guy that you were saying can't keep his mouth shut. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's not just one. Disciples do that. Yeah, I remember Yvonne Baker. Remember Yvonne? He would take his disciples to the park. 
And, and he, would, uh, he would give them discipleship training right there. But in front of everybody else that was in the park. And so while, and if they'd see somebody who was kind of listening in to say, hey, what, what's going on over there? He'd tell, you know, he'd tell Jose, oh, Jose, go talk to that guy. You know? <laughs> or Yvonne had another way he would do it. He would go with Jose, okay, friend of his. And he would go up to him and, and he'd say, oh, and he'd find somebody sitting on a bench in a park. Right? And he'd say, oh. ¿Qué tal? Buenos días. Me llamo Iván. Este es José. José tiene algo para decirte. ¿Y José? ¿Qué va a hacer? Tiene que pregarle el evangelio. Claro. What's the idea? Get the disciples in the street and you will have evangelism. You will. Yeah. People have needs. We just have to get beyond the blockage. Huh? Oh, I didn't say it in English. Yeah, you were saying it in Ivan would go in the streets or into the parks, and, and he would always take a disciple with him or two. And, and so, and, and a, Ivan was one of these evangelists who, you know, he would talk to everything in the park a, 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 unless it had a tail, you know. He, he left all the animals alone. But the people he was always talking to, and he had these two, he would take two disciples up to somebody and say, oh, uh, good morning, uh, what's your name? My name's Ivan, and this is Jose. He has something he wants to tell you. And... Jose, what's he going to do? <laughs> yeah. But he took the disciples into the street and they learned how to share the gospel. Evangelism. Evangelism. Dis huh? Alo leones. Exactly. To, to the lions immediately. Right, right, right. Discovery and development of spiritual gifts. Best place in the world, the house church. Best place in the world, a house church. And I could go into a whole subject, uh, a whole topic about how to do that. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to tell you. The best place to discover per people's gifts is in the house church. And the best place to develop those gifts is in the house church. There's room. In a big church, in a big institutionalized meeting, there's no room. All the spaces are occupied. In the house, there's no. No. Best place to train. And we've, and, and, and we've thank God, we've had, we've had tremendous testimonies of people who, for example, I'll just give you one. I shouldn't take too much time for this, but one, one example. We, we have sometimes a weekly gathering of all the disciples, okay, Usually in the same house, but sometimes it's not. And there'll be, we'll notice somebody's missing. Maria's not here. Does anybody know anything about Maria? What happened to Maria? Somebody says, well, um, I don't know. Let's send her a what's up. So they do. And they find out Maria's sick. At home. And the leader says, well, let's, let's, let's pray for Maria. OK. 
Okay, so we're going to pray for her right there. And when the prayer is over, somebody raises his hand and says, you know, I'd like to go and pray for her and lay hands on her. Ah, good idea. Good idea. Why don't you two go? But the leader of the group, he remembers who raised the hand to go visit and lay hands on him. Because later, maybe a month later, maybe two months later, somebody says, you know, I have this neighbor. I want us to all pray for my neighbor because my neighbor has cancer. And I'd like, and I told him we would pray for him here tonight. And so let's pray. So we're praying for him. And when we're done praying, that same person raises his hand and says, what's your neighbor's name? I'd like to go pray for him. You have a pretty good indication that that guy has a gift of healing. That's a pretty good indication. He's got a gift of healing. He's got this thing in his heart, and he's got to go. And that's why with all gifts, all the gifts. When we started the Comunidad Cordillera, which is the name of the congregation where I am right now, we spent three years with no definition of any kind of responsibilities at all. It started off as a very small group, very small group. It was a little bit bigger than a house group, but not much bigger. There were 20 of us. There were no responsibilities given to anybody. No pastors, no teachers, no deacons, no ushers, no elders, no nothing. Everybody just got together. And uh, I still have some pastors in Santiago upset with me because I said I did not want any pastors in that group for at least the whole first year. Because I knew what would happen. The people would fall back into their old traditional habits. And when one of the pastors from the downtown church shows up, they would let him do everything. You know? So I said, no pastors in this group for at least one year. And after that year, I did a survey in the group. And in this survey, it was on a, it was on a spreadsheet. I listed all of the gifts that you can find in the New Testament. Spiritual gifts, ministry gifts, service gifts, all of them that you can find. I didn't list things that you can't find. For example, ministry of the music ministry. That's not in the Bible. I didn't put that on there. Um, <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't put for the tercera the, edad. The, how do you say that? Oh, crying out loud. Uh, the, for, for the elderly. Yeah, right. I didn't put anybody in there, you know, ministry for children. I didn't put that in. That's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. It doesn't mean that it's bad. It doesn't mean that it can't happen. All I did was listed what's in the Bible. That's all I did. And then I put the names of all of the men in a cross line. Okay? In a... In a, in a the columns and the rows, yeah, in one row. And I asked the church, everybody in the church got one of these uh, printouts, and what they had to do was just tick the gifts that they had noticed in the people of the congregation during that year. It was incredible, the results. The gifts... The spiritual gifts are recognized by the body. The people know who they are. Because they have received the benefit 
of those gifts in their life. And you know something? Those are still the people that are functioning, the ones that are still in the group. And it was exactly what I already knew was going to be the result. Because I knew them intimately for years. I knew what gifts I had. But if I go and I say, okay, he's going to be a teacher and he's going to have the, he has the gifts of administration and he's going to get, he has the gifts of helps and, and she's going to uh, work with the, with the uh, kids or the elderly people or she's going to, you know, or she's going to be teaching the, uh, the older, uh, the younger women, you know, so if I, if I go into that, what's going to happen? Everybody's going to say, oh yeah, the pastor said but they're not going to recognize the authority. When they recognize the gifts that people have, they submit to it yes. willingly. And so when it came time to recognize the elder, who is by ministry gift not a pastor, he's an evangelist. He's definitely not a teacher. He's an evangelist. But everybody submits to him. Everybody, it, it was like a ripe apple. It was ready to be picked. The best way to discover and develop gifts is through the smaller groups, especially the house church. Especially the house church. For example, the, the new disciples recognize who's discipling them. There's no question about it. A church will recognize its teachers. You know, uh, in, when we do have larger meetings, congregational meetings, where we have several house churches that get together in one congregational meeting, in those meetings, people love to hear a good teacher. They love a good teaching. They, they love to hear the word of God that, uh, that, uh, 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 through a person who has the ability to take the complexity of the scripture reduce it to understandable terms without losing the profoundness of the script. That's a teacher. That's what a teacher does. He takes the complexity, he reduces it to be able to understand without losing its profoundness, its depth. They love to hear a good teacher. But when their kid falls into drugs... They don't want a teacher. They want a pastor. And when they call for help, they're not going to call the teacher. They're going to call the pastor because they recognize the gift of God in him. And maybe he's the elder and maybe he isn't. Oh, we got to get going. Sorry. A... Praise and worship, house church. That's where you learn it. That's where disciples learn to praise because they've got something they want to express to God. You know, when people are living in the Spirit all week long and they're, they, they get together and the only thing they want to do is express it. That's praise and worship. They don't have to wait for a meeting and somebody to give them a programmed praise service. No, 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 no. The only thing they want to do is say what God's been doing all week, what they saw. That's praise. 
That's worship. Sometimes it's spoken, sometimes it's not. Helping the needy, best place to do that is the house church. And I'm going to explain something about that in the second hour. We'll see how much time we have. Okay, get to mess. Also, we uh, helping the needs of the surrounding environment. God is looking for a church that is, uh, um, uh, wow, the word in Spanish is celosa de buenas obras. Uh, yeah, but how would I say that in English? Celos, uh, um, who's desirous of good works, okay? Uh, and he's looking for a church that's desirous of good works. A church that's desirous of good works, or celosa de buenas obras, what we say in Spanish, it is not a church that waits for somebody to come and knock on the door and say, hey, I have a need, can you help me? No, 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 no. A church that's out there desirous to do good works goes out and finds the need and helps. And it's not always somebody in the church that has the need. We'll get into that in just a little bit, the second one. Baptisms, Eucharist meals, missions. Ah, missions. Yeah, the disciples need to learn missions from the very, very beginning. Oh, in the house church. And teaching and practice of spiritual disciplines. Okay, well, anyway, let's go on. I'm going to um, just mention a couple of other things because it's time for the break, right? Yeah. We're time? Okay. Eight minutes. Eight minutes. Okay, thanks. We need a change of paradigm. I didn't mention this two years ago. I'm going to mention it now. We need a change of paradigm. The house church is not part of the program of the institution church, institutionalized church. It's not part of the program. It's not part of the General Assembly. The General Assembly is part of the life of the house church. We meet all together. We do it on Sundays. There are some groups in Brazil that does it every three months. Uh, others, in, in they have... Um, Think of Marcos and Mario. No, they they have their their zone meetings. I think once a month or something like that. There, or something like that. But we we do it every we do it every week. We're smaller. We're a small group. We we meet every week. But the house church is not part of that. That is a part of the life of the house church. You've got to think about that a little bit to see how that how does that apply. But it's very important change of concept. Okay, the house church is, for example, if 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 Jose goes to or is part of and participates in and ministers in uh, a church that meets in Alfredo's house, okay, that includes everything he does in his life, including the general assembly meeting when there is one. It's not the opposite. It's not a way to improve the institutionalized, generalized meetings. No. That meeting is super important. I do not ever want to not have, as long as we're permitted, I never want to have a church that doesn't have a general assembly meeting 
where we all meet to praise God and receive a word from God. That to me is important. Our Sunday morning meeting for, for me is not negotiable. But that Sunday morning meeting is part of the life of the house church, not the other way around. And we do put a lot of emphasis on our Sunday morning meeting because it's very important. That's what gives us unity amongst all the different house churches. The word that comes in that meeting and the opportunity to express ourselves in, in, in praise and in worship and the opportunity to help and pray for one another in that meeting is not the same quality in a house church. And I do never want to have a church that doesn't have that experience. Okay? But I changed the, the order. I changed the order. The disciples are formed in the house churches and they attend the general assembly. And some of them participate, and some of them don't. Some of their gifts flow in that general assembly, and some people don't. Okay? So I just want to present that change of paradigm, I think is extremely important. We are so uh, infracados. We're, we're so um, taken up with uh, a, hist- a traditional history. So what we did was when in of our, of our traditional churches, we added house churches. And finally it didn't work. But when you start house churches and later take them to the larger family, the larger group, it does work. I mean, I I remember Ivan Baker taught us that, and I didn't believe him. I didn't believe him. But he told us that how he started one of the the congregation that was at, uh, 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 before Condarco, what was the name of the, where he was, that street, um, I don't remember now. It was, it was a small group that he started. He started that group in his home. And he never took one of those people to the large congregation meeting for, I don't remember how long it was. It was, it was yeah, it was months. Yeah, yeah. Because he wanted them to be formed disciples before they got lost in the, the sea of the church. Yeah. And it works that way. Otherwise, if you do it the other way, they do get lost. And they start going to the general meetings and start missing in the house church. And I'm not talking about attendance. I'm talking about lives. They lose their spiritual life if you do it the opposite way. And remember, we're trying to get people to live and to walk in the Spirit. You know, somebody said... I don't remember who, who it was that mentioned this is not, somebody said this is not radical Christianity, this is real Christianity. I don't know if anybody of you have read that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you had read that book from Watchman Nee, The Normal Christian. Yeah. yeah. The Normal Christian Life, right. Somebody that reads that thinks, oh, this guy's crazy. Huh? This has got to be the Apostle Paul or his brother. You know? No. That's a normal life. 
that's, that's normality. Okay. Um, the other thing I want to mention also in, in regard to meetings, we're going to talk about that in the second hour. Um, the mission of the house church, train disciplers, not just disciples. I feel, I feel somewhat ridiculous because about everything I'm going to say from here on out has already been said uh, yesterday at some point. Uh-huh. But uh, disciple, uh, di- I, I know. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. Sure. But what does he understand? He understands that a disciple is going to make disciples. What we did is we changed it and we say, I go into all the world, I make disciples, but there's where it stops. No, 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 no. We go into the whole world making disciplers, people who can live 2 Timothy chapter 2. Making disciplers, not just disciples. Training leaders, not just members. The house church has no members. You know that, don't you? It has no members. No. It has no. There's no registry of members of membership in a house church. No. It doesn't. Oh, you don't have one of those for your family. I'm surprised. <laughs> I don't either. How right. Right, there's no registry. You're forming leaders, not members. Membership of the church comes from the Constantinian model of the old Roman style of church. And we've got to get rid of the laity clarity mentality. That's where that comes from. Okay. Also, when we're talking about disciples, we're talking about disciples. And again, this has been said. I, I, I hope you all believe me that this was all written long before I came to Sweden. But, that, but the disciples, the biggest element of a discipler is the fatherhood of God lived out in his life covering his disciples. Juan Pablo is an example here. I don't know. He's, he's doing working in translation back there. Juan Pablo has been a disciple for years, for years. And I, I, I do, I, I really do. I feel a, a fatherly relationship with him. I would do anything to cover his life. And sometimes because I do have this fatherhood mentality, sometimes I'm a little bit strict. And sometimes I'm encouraging now, I remember one time when his wife, Pamela, said uh, after a meeting that he and I had, his wife, Pamela, said, you know, every time Jerry gets together with you, he tells you off. Te <laughs> reta. Every time he tells you off, he, 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 he speaks strongly to you. No, that wasn't true. That was her impression. That wasn't true. But there is an element to where you're trying to help People and sometimes you have to use authority. That's a father. A person who is not a father has no authority. He has no authority. Authority comes from fatherhood. And if you don't believe it, send one of your children to discipline another one of your children. <laughs> Try that one. That won't work. That won't work because that child doesn't have authority over that child. 
But when dad steps in, ha wait a minute, things change. Yeah. But a father also gives stability, as we saw it last night in, in, in Thessalonians chapter 2. He gives the stability to the whole thing. So important. Fatherhood and discipleship. Tremendous. And the goal, the goal of discipleship. What is the goal of discipleship? <laughs> We've got to get this right. Every disciple grows into the image of Jesus. And I just want to mention very, very quickly a couple of words, just quickly, because if I cut here, then I can't continue. Uh, we must do discipleship with a goal in mind. Salvation is not the goal. Salvation is the medium. The goal is that they become like Jesus. God's purpose in everything he does in the church is to populate the world with Jesuses. His goal is to populate the whole world with Jesuses. When Adam was created... Before his sin, he was the first son of God. And what God is trying to do in all of history, in the whole earth, is to bring mankind back to that Adam before sin. That's why Jesus is called the second Adam. Because he is the son of God that didn't sin. That's what God wanted of Adam in the very beginning. And what it, the, whole, the whole issue with God towards us isn't an issue of salvation. It's an issue of restoration of his image in us. The goal of discipleship is Christ-likeness. And uh, how, how are we going to do this? Primarily, it's a work of discernment and collaboration. What the Spirit is doing in their life, we discern and we collaborate with that. We don't invent something new. We have to pray a lot over every disciple to have the Spirit of God in the mind of God for that person. Otherwise, we're going to be forming our own lifestyle into them. I don't want to form another Jerry. I don't want to. I want to follow, I want to form Jesus in them. And I have to pray and pray and pray in order to get to the mind of God over every one of the disciples. Otherwise, it's just going to be a cloning process. We don't want clones. We want men and women transformed after the life of Jesus, okay? How do you do this? You take away what doesn't belong to Christ, and you build up what they're missing from Christ. That's a very, very, very simple. Conceptually, it's very easy to understand. I got this from Daniel Divano of Argentina. How do you make a disciple? The first thing you do is you get rid of everything that you don't see in Jesus. You help them do it. God does it through grace. But that's where you put the emphasis. You take away everything that doesn't belong to Jesus. And you also add everything that they're missing from Jesus. 
So that the end process is, is all you have is Jesus. Conceptually, it's easy to understand. But it's also necessary to have that process and the result in mind so that we don't get lost in the process. The scripture says it. I don't have time to read it. When it talks about get rid of this, 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 and that. When it talks about build up this, 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 and that. It's in the scripture. Someday we can have a conference on that one. Okay. And... Um, We've got to be sensitive to what the Spirit is doing, okay, in discipleship. And there's one last thing about house church. The house church concept needs to include a parish concept. You know the concept of the parish, where the parish is, you, you, you have a, a church in a geographical area, you know, this. we're talking about denominationalism, okay, and and. Even though not everybody in that whole area goes to that church, the priest of that parish is in charge of everybody in that geographical area. Everybody. So if somebody dies, he's the one that has to do the funeral. If somebody gets married, he's the one that performs the thing. Because he's the parish priest. We need to have a parish mentality. We're not just dealing with the people of our family. We're dealing with the entire environment around us. Do we live in an apartment building? We should be concerned about everybody in that apartment building. And when there's a need, we're there to help. We need to be concerned about everybody in our neighborhood. I don't, it doesn't matter if they don't participate with us. That's not an issue. The issue is God has put us there to be ministers of grace in the midst of that environment. That's the parish mentality for every house church. And as we do that, God will begin to work in their lives. We don't even have to preach at them. <laughs> no. Somebody lost his job. And you go with a sack of groceries, not once, every week until he finds a job. He isn't one of yours. He's never been in one of your meetings. He's not a disciple, but he's a person that has a need. Another neighbor's little girl gets sick and the uh, the medicine that she has to have is so costly they can't afford it. They have no government supports. There's the house church. You buy the medicine for them that they need. We have to be concerned spiritually and materially with a parish concept the house churches. God is not, does not make an exception of persons. God causes his sun to shine on the just and the unjust, and the rain falls on everybody's farm. That's what's in God's heart, and that's where we should be. Let's take a break.